We have all had painful events in our lives that can lead to depression, anxiety, addiction, or broken relationships. But here's a secret. It is not about what happened to us that causes suffering. It's the stories we believe about ourselves. Join us as we shine light on how to rewrite our stories, avoid the shadows of shame, and travel along the pathway to joy, love, and connection. It's the Finding Peace Podcast with your host, Amazon best-selling author, Troy L. Love. Hello, and welcome back to the Finding Peace Podcast. It's been a little while since I have done a podcast just because there seems to be a lot of chaos going on in the world. And in my practice, there have been a lot of people who've needed help. And so I haven't had the opportunity to record as many podcast episodes as I'd like. I wanted to make it a point, though, to record this one because I have a really special guest with me today. Shalom is one of my really good friends. And over the last couple of years, he and I have actually even deepened our friendship even further. And I've been asking him if he wanted to be on the podcast for a while, and he finally agreed. So I'm really, really grateful and excited to introduce you to my friend, Shalom. I said it wrong. (laughs) I'm really, really excited to be able to introduce you to my friend, Shalom Rosenson. And I, I've been known to not say his name right, and I feel really bad about that. So my own shadows of shame beat the crap out of me about that, and we'll just have to practice self-compassion like I talk about on this podcast. Shalom is a very driven individual with a stellar heart. He cares deeply for his family and those who put their trust in him. And after years of searching for what could work for his own healing, he finally discovered a handful of tools that have worked for him. And he began to use that to build a mission to share those tools and talents with other people. He tries to bring the best out of others and he lives his life in a way that serves God and his community. And in addition, he has attended, staffed, led, developed, and run numerous men workshops. And he's also been a coach where he's seen a number of private clients. He's the creator of Inner Wholeness, the inner you you never knew. Please join me in welcoming Shalom. What a great introduction. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Tell me a little bit about your story. How did you fall into men's work? What led you there? And and what impact has that made in your life? Wow. Well, I I grew up in New York. I live now in Israel. And growing up was, was rocky. It was really challenging, and I spent a lot of my younger years and even my young adult years in a therapist's office, really trying to figure myself out, trying to develop an understanding for what I was going through, for for what I had been through, and to heal. 
and develop myself in, as an individual, um, autonomous from everything that I had gone through, autonomous from my family of origin, though I'm still connected to them. And after, after such a long period of time in, in different therapy rooms with different modalities, I just hadn't found what worked for me until I attended a men's workshop. And I was introduced to brand new tools, a very experiential experience, and it was something different. And it really, really touched, it touched me. It touched my soul in a way. And I wanted to bring that back to my community. Um, and and I, I said, even on my way home from that workshop, while I was still processing everything that I'd been through, I'm going to bring this home. I'm going to develop a group, a workshop, a community. I don't know what yet, but I'm going to do it. How long ago was that? 12 years. 12 years ago this month. Yeah. And what happened after you came home? Um, I started figuring out how how I could possibly do this, how I could bring this to fruition. Um I really wanted to create a group and I was prepared to learn in order to run it, but I much more wanted to find someone else that was uh, further along and really understood this stuff who could run it properly. And I, and I did with help. I found someone who could run a local group doing this kind of work, which involved um, experiential processes and psychodrama and things around the five love languages, uh, really things that, that I thought, could help, could help men in general if they would just allow themselves to be in touch, to have access to something like this. So we found someone to lead a group for us, and that went really well for a while. Uh, not long after my first workshop, I found another organization and did a second and got very, very much involved with their follow-up. And within six months of all of this, I just I knew I had it in me, and I started running groups myself. Rather, the group that I had been a member of, the leader left, and I and I was elected to take over, and I've been doing it since. Hmm. How has that changed your life? Oh wow! It's first of all, it's given me a sense of community, um, people that I'm connected to on a much deeper level. It's not like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm great. Everything's fine. Wonderful. How are you? It's, it's deeper. We, we talk about what, what's happening, what we're going through. I've, de- I've developed this whole emotional language that I share with other people where I can tell them what I'm going through and how I'm feeling, and they can just be with me in that as opposed to being scared away by it, uh, which unfortunately is, is very common nowadays for people, especially men, I think, to, to be scared away by the mention of an emotion. Um, so it's very much created community, but more than that, it's it's been a it's been a growth journey. It's been a journey of self acceptance and self development, where I continue to push myself forward, and I continue to try to figure myself out, and and try to make myself a better person to show up more for my family, to show up more for my group, to show up more in my community, um, to show up more for my parents. And what's been that effect as you've been showing up more? What have, what have you experienced? 
How, what's the impact that that's had on your family, your friends? My friendships are, are much different than they used to be. Um, whereas the, there was this, even in my close friendships, very much there was this front before of like, yeah, everything's great. I got this. Everything's fine. Um, I share more deeply with them today. And even my friends who are not part of this men's work community, they share back. It's like an invitation. As soon as I open up and I put, throw some, sneakily throw some emotional language into the conversation, it's kind of an invitation for them to try it on and reflect the same thing back at me with their experience. So it's, it's affected my friendships. Um, I have such a better relationship with my children. Um, and, and I've got, I've got six children, four of them are teenagers and these are the challenging years. I mean, you might tell me that they get worse after this, in which case I'm really scared, but, uh, these are some really challenging years and I know so much better. I have so much more tools for just listening and being present with what they're going through and inviting them to share with me as opposed to to pushing and being like a taskmaster over their heads where they've got to do this and they've got to do that. It's, it's, it's a cleaner and healthier environment. Trust me, there's yelling and screaming and anger and that's all fun. That's all there. And it's all good still. But, um, but there's, there's, there's connection there uh, through the arguments and after the arguments that there, I don't think there ever would have been had I not, done what I've been doing. Hmm. And just in the little interactions that I get to see with you, with your kids, I'm always impressed with your patience and uh, your love for them. So I see the evidence of the work you're doing, brother. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, um, teenagers go through a lot. And, and in just the last month, I have, have literally sat with three of my teenagers as they just cried on my shoulder and there were just, there were no words necessary. They just needed me to be there for them. And 10 years ago, I don't think I would have known how to do that, but uh, these are really precious experiences with them. Beautiful. Cause you were talking about men's work. It's a question that's been sitting on my heart for a little while. I, I absolutely believe that there is a need for men's work. What do you feel is one of the biggest struggles that we as men are facing today? Like what, what, why would we want, why would a man need to go to, uh, embark on joining a men's group. What would be the benefit of that? What What are they facing that a men's group could do for them? I think the two of the biggest struggles for men today are loneliness and shame. Mm. Um, there's a really famous, uh, really famous rabbi who passed away recently. Who he wrote like eighty self help books. He ran. Um, he ran a rehabilitation center for drugs and alcohol. Are you talking and about Abraham Tversky? I'm talking about Abraham Tversky. I met him. 
Oh wow! I almost met him. Yeah, he 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 owned the the rehab center that I did my internship in, and he would come talk to the the people in the group, and I got to meet him a couple of times. He was an amazing guy. Yeah. Tell me more. Sorry, so, I interrupted you. But... No, I'm so glad that you've heard of him then that you've met him. I did not have the chance to meet him. He actually. Um, he was talking at one point about attending one of my groups in order to kind of give his stamp of approval and mm. and to, uh, to to just witness what we were doing. But one of the things that I've heard in his name is there are people that are in therapy and there are people that need therapy. And that basically covers the entire spectrum of human existence. <laughs> um, and he very much believed in doing things as part of a group, as part of a community. Uh, I wouldn't consider what I do group therapy, but it's it's definitely group processing. Anyhow, um, back to what I had said earlier, the two things that I think are really affecting uh, men and men are struggling with are loneliness and shame. And those are two things that are challenged in a group environment. Um, the, the enemy of shame is shining a light on it and exposing it and letting others see me in my deepest shame and realizing that I am not alone. And that also battles loneliness. You feeling something? Uh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling proud of the, the community that I'm involved with. I'm feeling proud of the men who have courage to, to not only step into this, even, even though a lot of them don't know what they're stepping into when they do, but to stay in it and to continue to push through those, those barriers, those walls of, of pain and shame and isolation that comes as, as a result. Um, I'm feeling really grateful to, to have been involved and to have done what I've been doing for, for 12 years. I can't believe yeah. it's been 12 years. It's amazing, man. And I do agree with you. Those two things are at the top of my list, shame and loneliness. And they they feed off of each other. The more shame I have, the more that I pull away. Absolutely. Don't reach out, um, which then in, ignites the shame even further. And you said it, like joining a men's group where you share your darkest stuff and the guys like give you a hug afterwards or they're not touching people, you know, they at least say, I'm proud of you, man, um, takes tremendous courage. And I believe that men are craving that kind of connection and they're terrified of that kind of connection. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you were talking to a guy who um, you've, you've pinpointed that he's dealing with a lot of shame and loneliness, but he's really scared. Like he's heard about, Maybe go into one of your retreats or one of your men's groups or joining um, something like that. And he's like, heck no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Um, what would you say to him? I think first and foremost, I, I've got to acknowledge the fear because it's there for a reason and it's there to protect him. And I would ask him about it. Where is this fear coming from? What are you protecting yourself from? What are you afraid of? And I'd create a space where he has someone to listen. And maybe eventually I can create a space where he'll let more than one person listen. It's about taking 
little chances, just mm. a little step forward in order to test the waters, because not everyone is going to be able to hold this for us. Right. Not everyone's going to be able to support us in this stuff. But, but there are men out there who can, who will, and who will welcome your, your fear and your pain and your grief and whatever it is that you're going through as, as scary as that might be. But people can't be pushed into this. They can't, um, which is why the biggest, the biggest tool for getting someone to do things like this is word of mouth is close friends. It's not a website. Hey, join my workshop where you're going to expose all of your shame and get over all of your stuff. No, it's it's word of mouth. Yeah, it's people when read you... that and they're like, hey, no, exactly. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. The way, to, the way to share these things is just word of mouth. There's really nothing else. It's I had this experience and maybe you'll benefit from it also. Hmm. Absolutely, man. I wholeheartedly agree with that. As you've been doing this work, you recently created with a, a, a buddy of yours, Inner Wholeness. Can you talk about what that is and um, what somebody would benefit from if they went to that? Sure. I'm actually, I'm going to start with why I developed it, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, during this whole period of of COVID, of Corona worldwide, uh, a lot of people haven't had the access to, to, not to workshops and not to groups that they've had in the past. Zoom has become the new thing for connection. Um, not everyone connects that way, but we do the best that we can. We can. We do the best we can with what we've got. Anyway, I really, I wanted to create something for Zoom, and. Uh, I didn't, I didn't quite know what it was yet, but I had this experience. And it's very likely at one of my 5.30 in the morning uh, waiting for the bus periods, I, I probably contacted you uh, in a totally different time zone um, to share about the experience. I had been going through a really low period for a couple of days, and it came right after... Uh, a period that felt like a war. Um, I had I had been involved in in something at work that required all of my energy and all of my attention for about two weeks, and I was working with these blinders on, um, and I only saw mission, and I only saw what had to get done, and I only saw how it had to get done, and the people around me that were helping me do it, and that was it. I was totally at war at work. For two weeks and then that period of time ended and i didn't need to be in battle anymore and i experienced this drop and my emotions went haywire and i was so frustrated i was so down and it was 5 30 in the morning where i had this epiphany moment i'm like oh archetypes now most people probably are not thinking about archetypes at 5 30 in the morning <laughs> but that was what snapped for me because i had been so much in warrior and then as soon as I didn't need to be anymore, I went into all these darker places and shadowy places of low and low places of the other archetypes. I had done a decent amount of work around the archetypes. Originally, I thought it wasn't going to exp uh, affect my life so much, but over time it did. And it really became a part of me. And that recognition in that moment 
I was able to offer myself a huge amount of compassion and understanding for what I was going through. And that was all I needed. Nothing else needed to change. So it was in that moment I decided that I wanted to create a workshop around the archetypes uh, from Carl Jung, the lover, the warrior, the magician, and the king. And I contacted my buddy and it took us, I don't know, probably almost six months, uh, a little bit less. And we created Inner Wholeness. Inner Wholeness was meant to be an experience over Zoom. We didn't want it to be... um, we didn't want it to be all lectures. We didn't want it to be death by PowerPoint. I think I got that from you. Yeah. We didn't want it to be. De- we didn't want it to be death by PowerPoint. Um, we wanted it to be as experiential as we can possibly make it over Zoom. To be similar to those other workshops, and but because it's in the comfort of people's home, they don't have to travel. They don't have to go away for a number of days. We don't have to work out food and lodging and all these things that cost more money. It's, it's something that spans over the course of eight weeks, once a week with, with work and support and check-ins uh, between the sessions. But it's about people really getting in touch with these four energies, uh, the lover, the warrior, the magician, and the king, and recognizing them inside of themselves. And not just recognizing that they're there, but recognizing the places that we're really connected, where I'm really driven and really, this is a part of me. And those places where maybe I'm, I'm really disconnected. I'm really dry. I don't, I don't connect to any one of these energies. It's just so foreign to me. But in order to have a full experience and bring ourselves to to, to masculine wholeness, to inner wholeness, um, there needs to be access to all four. So that's what we're trying to create, an understanding of them and the tools to access all of them. So you ran one and it was really successful. You are right in the middle of your second second series. How's it, how is it going? Uh, the second cycle is going well. Uh, we just finished our first archetype and I think the men are starting to really understand what it is we're doing. Um, Whereas there was all this apprehension in the beginning and wonder about how is this going to work and what's this really going to look like over Zoom? I think they're clicking in and um, my experience is that they're excited for more. They're excited for what's coming up. I'm excited for what's coming up. That's awesome. It's beautiful. I'm sure that you are changing men's lives. I just honor the work you do, man. Oh, thank you. How would somebody go find out about that if they wanted to sign up for the next one? Um, you can either send me an email, uh, um, which is uh, shalomrosenson at gmail.com, which I think will be here somewhere, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll put um, it in the show notes. Yeah. Okay, great. Or uh, there is presently, because we're, we're new, we haven't created a proper uh, website yet, but we do have a Facebook page, Inner Wholeness Workshop on Facebook. Awesome. It's been 12 years. You walked into that first retreat, that first experiential thing 12 years ago. What's different about you today? When I walked into that 
first space 12 years ago, I was so afraid of showing up, so afraid of, uh, I was afraid of men in groups. I was really good one-on-one, but as soon as you put me in a group of three or more, I felt extra. But I was afraid of taking up space or making waves or, or, or getting people upset of being the problem. And um, that first workshop I did, I, I, I just cried for three days because they opened me up to things that I really hadn't given space up until that point. Um, and the difference today is um, I can be in a room of three or more people and take up space. I'm much less afraid than I used to be. I, I take up space and I make waves. And I also know that I don't have to be the center in order to matter. Mm. Um, and I think that's a huge thing for me. I thought I needed to be at the center of things in order to matter at all. And now I can make space for others to be at the center and still know that I matter. That's like mind blowing. That is powerful, powerful, man. Oh, that's, that's what I, as I work with people, that's what I try to help them connect with is that their worth um, doesn't diminish if, you know, they're not getting all of their needs met in a particular moment. Um, they're, that their worth is still very powerful. And when they can connect with that, then even when some what I call attachment wounds are being bumped up, they they don't they don't crawl into that hole of shame again. They're able to still be present, interact, and do all those powerful things because they know of their worth. So I love that that's what you've learned how to do too. And and at, at the very least, because those those shame moments, those shame spirals, those those trigger moments, they're going to come up again. They're just they're part of living a human life, whatever. Like there's, yeah. there's nothing we can do in order to make them not come up anymore. It's the awareness that gets me through. Yeah. It's, it's accepting those moments and figuring out what I can do in them instead of letting myself just circle, <laughs> circle the drain right. until it pulls me in. I love that. Cause down in that drain is a really dark place. You and I have been there before. I never want to go back there again. Same here. Well, you've been amazing. One of the things that we do as we get near the end of the interview is I have a speed round of questions. And you were asking me before, what are these questions? What are these questions? And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> They're just uh, whatever's off the top of your head. So are you ready? Yes. Number one, what's one thing about you that surprises people? My eyes. People look at my eyes and tell me that they have a lot of depth and they're very welcoming. I would. If you could look into his eyes like I am right now, you would (laughs) see that. You'll see his picture, but that is absolutely a true statement. They're very warm. You told me to say the first thing that came to mind. That's right, dude. That was it. That's right. Awesome. Number two, we've all faced, we have all faced major decisions in our life that has resulted in us choosing to take a left turn instead of going right. 
when you were faced with such a dilemma, how did that work out for you? Oh my gosh. Um, oh, there are so many of those moments. Um, but I'm going to go back in my mind. I'm going back to a really early one where I decided to, at a very young age, make a change in my life. And it has been rocky and it has been challenging and it has been one of the most beautiful and rewarding decisions and, um, and truths and belief systems that I've developed in my life. Do you want to elaborate on that? I could. Um, I grew up very, very secular in a secular Jewish family. And I was 13 years old when I chose to embrace religion, uh, not fully knowing what that meant yet. But um, I, I moved forward. My parents supported me in the ways that they could though it was very hard for them and they weren't always so supportive but they 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 let me do that um sort of anyway it has been one of the most rewarding journeys i've ever embarked upon and there's been so much growth for me uh so much connection to to god that has guided my life that i probably wouldn't have had had i had I not had those moments of, yeah, I'm going to change my life, everything about it from mm -hmm. here on in. Beautifully said. I'm really glad you did because you are definitely a man of God and um, somebody that really creates safety for me in that arena. So thank you for choosing that. Thank you. Uh, it's it's been such an incredible an incredible blessing beyond what I what I ever could have imagined at 13 years old. I, I had no idea what I was embarking upon, but I knew I wanted it. So I'm um, I'm so grateful to be to be connected to God to godly men. I, and the re the religion matters so much less to me than the connection to something greater that drives my lifestyle and my life. Mm. I'm glad you did. Question number three, what book are you reading right now? Um, it has a not nice title. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I'm actually reading uh, Unfuck. Wait, what's it called? It has a really not nice title. <laughs> Can we skip that question? <laughs> Um, you could say the word. It's just—it's a title. I'm looking up the yeah. Okay, I'm looking up the the author. Um, I'm actually reading "Unfuck Yourself." I'm actually listening to it by the author himself, Gary John Bishop. It's uh, I highly recommend it, and it doesn't have nearly as much foul language throughout the book as you would expect from the title. I think the title was meant to wake you up. What is what is it that you're getting from it? Um, he talks about 
how to shake ourselves out of our stuff, out of our stuff, out of our comfort zones, how to move forward. Um, it's very not sugar-coated, which I really like. And he's got this uh, concept that ha- has shaken me up that we are wired to win, which means mm. when we think we're going to fail, we're going to fail because that's the win. Because then I was right. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I'm going to have to think about that. That is really interesting. Wow. Question number four. When have you felt most alive? When have I felt most alive? Um... Wow. Um, I'm going to have to say in the throes of a process, in the throes of a, I've been through psychodrama-like processes. And when people have facilitated me and I feel like I am fighting for my life, when I am fighting for my future, when everything depends on this moment and me, claiming claiming who I am or declaring who I am and showing up despite all those other voices, I think that's probably the moment or the moments where I have felt truly alive, like truly connected to I am alive and I'm going to fight for that. Hmm. I can resonate with that. There's something special about those moments. I'm glad you have them. I'm so grateful because they've saved my life mm. on more than one occasion. And I can relate to that. When when I went to my very first men's retreat and we did some of that stuff, I was very suicidal when I went. Maybe even it, maybe it wasn't even safe for me to be there, but um, I went because. I knew I needed to do something and it changed my life that day. And I literally was fighting for my life. So I can, I can, I can see the power that that has in somebody's life. And I love that you have now learned the tools to be able to use that to help other men fight for their lives as well. Yeah. And that's what excites me. That's when I feel alive is when I watch another guy do that work. Oh, it's just like there's nothing better. That that was one of the, the the first time was one of those moments that just really shook me up. It was the first time that I that I recognized that all that stuff that I was carrying, all the you're bad and you ruin everything and and the horrible things that I was carrying, uh, it just wasn't a part of me. Um, and I got a chance to like, I got a chance to look at it as something external something outside of me and that was that was huge because i always thought that that's who i was always thought that that's exactly who i was that those things defined me and to see that they were outside of me was mind-blowing was was mind-boggling and to be able to to approach those messages and and say what i needed to say to them it it just changed my whole life 
Hmm. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you stepped into that. I don't know if I would have met you if you hadn't, and you've blessed my life. So, thank you. Thank you. If you won a prize to be the first person on Mars, and you chose to go, but because of the space <laughs> in the rocket. You could only bring one item of personal meaning with you. What would you bring? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Can I bring my phone? Because there's just so much in there. So much that I've written and so much that I've recorded and so much connection to others. Um, I'm not interested in bringing it for like Netflix or Facebook or anything like that. It's just all those, all those notes, the, the mm. poetry, the pain, the, the, the messages with me and others, the messages with me and my kids. I think I'd take my phone as horrible as that, that might sound. Well, that's, uh, well, <laughs> I, I love how you explained it because that's amazing. Speaking of poetry, um, I don't think you gave me the link to your YouTube channel where we can go watch your beautiful, beautiful poetry. So make sure you put that, send that to me too, so I can put that. Because, man, Shalom writes some beautiful, beautiful poetry. Thanks. I'll send you, heart. I'll send you the link to my to my YouTube channel and also to my uh, blog, which I guess until this moment were anonymous with a fake name, but we just ruined that. Well, you don't have to. No, we haven't said it what you. it is, so you don't have to send it to me. <laughs> I'll send them to you gladly. Okay. Name a person or a teaching that has had a profoundly positive impact on your life. I had a rabbi in high school. Um, he may have been quoting something. I suspect that he was. He said, keep doing what you've done and keep getting what you've got. Hmm. That's really profound. Something's what got to is... change in order for me to create change. Yeah. Thank you. What is a daily practice that you must do every day? I need to pray daily, which I do, but because uh, our prayers, Jewish prayers are, are, are text-based, we, we say the same prayers three times a day, every day. I think it's also important for me to take a moment outside of prayer to either breathe into connection with God or to thank him for something something that just happened or uh, just thank him for all he's given me for who I am. Beautifully said. What's one question you wish that I had asked and how would you have answered it? Oh boy. Um, there's always this, this moment in, in, in interviews or talks with people where I wish I had more of an opportunity to share my story, like where I'm coming from. Um, 
So I, on, on one hand, I'm grateful that I didn't speak a lot about my, my childhood growing up. But on the other hand, there's something about sharing it that I think uh, invites others into thinking that, wow, it could be different. Wow, that must have been hard. He could probably understand me. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's welcoming someone into the reason I, I like to share or I, I want to share what I've been through is because a lot of people in hearing my story have, have said to themselves, so he gets it, like he could get me now. If he's been through that, he could probably understand me. And if he is who he is today, and this is not something I would never say about myself, I'm repeating what other people have said to me, but if, if, if he is who he is today, so then maybe there's hope for me. That only comes because you were willing to do the work. Yeah, it's true. But you do create a very trusting presence. And I'm grateful for that, that you created that for me. Thank you. Thank you, because you've created it for me too. What does finding peace mean to you? <clears throat> I think it's very much about accepting what is. And it doesn't mean accepting what is uh, in a sense that, okay, this is, what, this is what's happening and this is what's going to happen. This is where I am and this is what's going to be. It's, no, I accept where I am today. And I let go of the shame of all those places where I'm not perfect, where I'm all those places where I keep telling myself I'm not good enough. And no, I, I am, I am good enough today. And that doesn't mean I don't have to change. That doesn't mean there aren't places where I still need work. Um, but that's, that's peace to be able to say I am where I am and that's okay. And that also opens up a space for working towards more because when I'm covered in shame and, and pain and self-blame. And I, I really can't make a lot of changes in my life. It's just too difficult. So, so that moment of acceptance, I'm going to call uh, finding peace, inner peace. I love it. Beautiful. Last question. I'm ready. Where, where can people find you? How can they connect with you? You can either reach out to me through inner wholeness on Facebook. You can find me also on Facebook and, um, and there'll be an email connected to this podcast. Absolutely. Shalom. Did I say it right? Nope, but that's okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what the heck? So you say it. Shalom. Shalom. What the heck? What am I? How am I saying it wrong, man? I don't know. <laughs> People put emphasis on the wrong syllable, and it's okay. Oh, Originally, when I, it, when, I okay. when I when I registered for my first workshop, I registered with my English name and planned to use it. 
Um, but people convinced me that I should, no, I should show up as who I am with my name. I should let people say it wrong. And it, and it really doesn't bother me. Well, it really, bothers really, me. I know. It <laughs> bothers people, other people much more than it bothers me. I'm sorry. <laughs> you shouldn't be I'm apologizing. I know, I'm apologizing. You, I'm the one that's that. saying your name right, wrong. Okay. Shalom. Okay. Closer? Yeah. No? That's good. That's how people say it in, in Israel. Perfect. Okay. Uh, thank you for being with me, man. Thank you for being in my life and thank you for the work you do and helping men find their light and their truth. And thanks for sharing some of that with me and our listeners today. I really appreciate it. I love it. Thank you so much, Troy. This has been great. You've been listening to the Finding Peace podcast. If you loved the show or want to ask a question, let us know by going to TroyLLove.com. There, you can also learn about the Finding Peace 5-Day Challenge. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss the next episode. And if you are listening on iTunes, please give us a 5-star rating. It helps other people find this podcast more easily. Thank you for spending part of your journey with us. Copyright Finding Peace Consulting.